I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24 as we continue walking our way through this first book of the Bible. If you're new to North River Church, this is our habit, our practice week in and week out is to open God's Word together, typically working through a book of the Bible. We began this journey at the first part of this year and we are continuing on as we trust the Lord will work in our lives through His Word. When His Word is proclaimed, it will not return void. It will accomplish everything that it's meant to accomplish in our lives. This morning, as we look at Genesis chapter 24, we're going to talk about what it means to walk by faith, to trust the Lord in every aspect of our lives as we take the next step of obedience in walking with Him. And as we prepare to walk through the text this morning, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever trusted someone that you really shouldn't have trusted? You ever believed someone, what they were telling you, when you probably should not have? I love my grandfather, and I used to spend a lot of time through the summers at his house. It was about an hour away from where I grew up, and he had a pecan grove. Some of you should call it pecan, you're wrong, it's okay. It's a pecan grove. And so I would always head over, I'm, gr- I'm from Georgia, so that may explain it, right? So I would go over to his house, and I was free labor when I went over there. And so part of the task when I was there was always to pick up the limbs that had fallen down that were in the grove. And so one day he said to me, Michael, have you ever robbed a beehive? And I said, that sounds like a dumb idea. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, nothing to worry about whatsoever. First lie, right? He said, so here's what we're going to do. He took me down there and he shows me this massive limb that had fallen down off of one of the trees. And in the center of it, there's an opening and there's bees flying in and out of that opening. And he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, I want you to take the chainsaw and I want you to come about a foot on the the side of where the hole is, both sides, and we're going to cut that part of the limb off. And I'm thinking, that's dumb. And he said, after that, once we get that, he said, we're going to take an axe and you're going to hit it right on the other side and it'll split open and then we'll be able to rob the beehive. We'll be able to get the honey out of it. And so I asked the question that should be rolling around in your mind. What do we do with the bees, right? How do we handle this? He said, I got that figured out. Don't worry about that. Lie number two, right? He said, don't figure that out. Don't worry about that. I've got a a croaker sack that he used to put pecans in. He said, I'm going to light that on fire. Hold it down close. It'll produce smoke. And the bees will calm down, and you won't have to worry about it. Lie number three. So I head out, and we take the chainsaw. And just ponder that in your mind for a little bit. The vibration of a chainsaw next to a beehive is a dumb idea. So regardless of the Kroger sack on fire, smoke coming out, as soon as I crank it up and touch it on the edge of the limb, bees flew out of that thing and attacked me. 
We ended up finally getting through it. I think I had about 32 stings after it was all said and done. My grandfather was not a man to be trusted when it came to robbing beehives. But you know, the question I think for all of us, especially if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, can the Lord be trusted not just for salvation, but for every single aspect of your life? Every single step that he calls you to take, can he be trusted? Can he be depended on? Is your faith placed in him, not just for salvation, but for all of life? Is it worth it? And what I want us to see this morning as we walk through Genesis chapter 24 is four different pictures of faith in four different people that we encounter in the text. Four different people who are willing to walk in obedience, trusting that the Lord will come through as he promised. And this morning, I want to read for us sections of Genesis chapter 24 so that we can work through it together. The first, I want to read verses 1 through 33, and then if you take note in your Bible, I encourage you to read it on the way home uh, to this morning or later on this week. But verses 34 through 49 is simply a retelling of the story of what's going on in those first 33 verses, and then we'll pick back up in verse 50 this morning, walking through verse 67. This is God's word, Genesis chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say drink and I will water your camels. 
Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. And the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I've prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And he said, speak on. Verses 34 through verse 49, we see him relate the story of what transpired, the story that we just read about previously in these verses. And Beginning in verse 50, I want you to take notice of the text. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad before, behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servants heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. And he also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while. At least 10 days after that, she may go. 
But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, May you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Berlaharoi and was dwelling in the Negev, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Father, we ask this morning, you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. And you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in Genesis chapter 24. It's this truth. Every step of our lives is an opportunity to walk by faith. Every step of our lives is an opportunity to walk by faith. The question is, what is faith? Faith is strong trust, dependence on someone or something else. And so this morning, as we talk about faith, as we talk about dependence, what are we talking about? Well, it's not dependence on ourselves. It's not dependence on anything else other than total, utter dependence on the Lord. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you know that to be true in your life because that is the first step of faith is trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. You didn't earn your salvation. You weren't good enough to be righteous before God. In fact, the declaration, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that you made, that I've made, is that there is no way possible that I can save myself from my sin. I am totally dependent on what Jesus Christ has accomplished for me through his life, death, and resurrection. And I place my trust, my dependence totally on him for salvation. You may have come in this morning and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. For you this morning, that is the first step that you need to take today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you may be tempted to think, okay, I've done that. Now I just go and live life. And yet the reality is for us, Scripture paints a very different picture. We're not just moving through life however we desire. In fact, for us as followers of Jesus, 
who trusted in Jesus Christ for our salvation. We are called not just to trust Him for salvation, but to walk the life that He's called us to live by faith. Total dependence on Him. What I want us to see this morning is four pictures that we see in Genesis chapter 24 of total dependence on the Lord. The first is with Abraham. If you remember where we are in this journey, we've seen the Lord work in incredible ways in Abraham's life. We've seen him bless Abraham. We've seen Abraham struggle at times to walk in obedience to the Lord. And yet we have been reminded That it was Abraham's faith that the Lord counted as righteousness. His total dependence on the Lord to follow through with his promises to Abraham. We saw that come to fruition in his son Isaac being born. When it was virtually impossible, medically, physically speaking, biologically speaking, for a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man to have a child, we see that nothing is impossible with the Lord. God works his plan. He comes through. And then we saw last week, even in the sorrow of Sarah's death, Abraham's wife, that he purchases a piece of property in the promised land that God had said would be his, that his descendants ultimately would claim as their own. The promises of God fulfilled as Abraham walks by faith. But at this point, it's interesting as we walk through the book of Genesis, there's, there's always this little bit left where we're waiting on God for the next step. And Isaac at this point, Abraham's son, does not yet have a wife. And for him to be able to procreate, to be able to make sure that this promise of God continues to move forward, that he will be a great nation one day, we are waiting and looking and longing for the story of this wife that would come in. We go from a funeral story in verse 23 to a wedding in verse 24, in chapter 24. Abraham was old, it says, in verse 1. He was well advanced in years, and he had been blessed by the Lord. And he said to his servant, I want you to notice this, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not take from my my son a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but that you'll go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife from my son Isaac. We see Abraham very concerned at this point that Isaac is not yet married. He calls his servant to him and he says, listen, I need you to go find a wife for my son Isaac. And we look at that and we think, man, that's kind of odd. But arranged marriages at this point were very commonplace. And so Abraham has direction for his servant as he begins this search for a wife. Did you notice that? Don't go to the Canaanites. The pagan people that we are living around, don't go there for a wife for my son. I want you to journey back to my homeland and find a wife for my son there. Notice in verse 5, the servant says, what happens if the woman is not willing to come back? She's not going to have seen Isaac at this point in time. What happens if she doesn't want to come? Can I at least take Isaac with me? 
take him out of the promised land that God had set aside and back to Abraham's homeland about 500 miles away. Can I take him for the journey? But notice this in verse 6. Abraham says, do not take my son back there. Notice in verse 7. We're going to see Abraham's faith here. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. Notice what Abraham says here. He, that is the Lord, will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. Abraham in this moment is not super concerned about this journey that his servant's about to take. His servant has questions. His servant is saying, listen, how's this all going to work out? Matchmaking 500 miles apart may not be the best move. Let's take Isaac. But Abraham says, no, the Lord has provided this place for Isaac to dwell. He's not leaving this land that the Lord has promised is his and for his descendants. And Abraham's faith in this moment, his trust, is not in the servant's ability to find the right woman. His trust is in the Lord to provide in this moment. I want you to notice as the story continues on, the servant does this. He swears to Abraham that he's going to tackle this mission that Abraham sends him out on. In verse 10, it says that he took 10 of his master's camels. He departed. He ventures to this city that Abraham had previously left from a number of decades earlier, and he pauses on the outside of the city, and he asks the Lord to do something. Notice in verse 11, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening when women go out to draw the water. Notice his prayer in verse 12. He said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. In verse 14, let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. We see not only Abraham's faith, trusting the Lord to provide, but here we see the servant's faith in verses 12 through 14. He is totally dependent on the Lord to provide the woman for Isaac to marry. In fact, notice here that he doesn't have any other plan when he shows up other than to trust that the Lord would provide, to depend solely on him. And what's interesting is what you notice going on here in the text is that he journeys to the place where he knows that there are going to be women coming out to draw water at the end of the day. 
And he says, Lord, here I am. I don't know which one I'm looking for, but let her fit some certain characteristics. And what he says is, I'm going to ask her for a drink of water as she comes up from drawing water from the well. And what I would like for you to do, Lord, is for whoever this woman is, the one that Isaac is supposed to marry, have her say to me, drink and let me draw up water for your camels. I mean, you think, not a big deal. But if you remember back earlier in the text, how many camels went on the journey? It was 10. And you don't know this, but did a little bit of camel research. (laughs) Camels that have been on an extended journey, when they finish the journey, they are thirsty and they are ready to drink anywhere from 25 to 50 gallons of water. A little back of the napkin math, 50 gallons of water times 10, 500 gallons of water. And notice his prayer to the Lord. God, let whoever comes and is willing not only to give me something to drink, but also willing to draw up 500 gallons of water for the camels to drink, let her be the one to which we all sit back and go, she earned it after that, right? (laughs) But notice that his trust was not in what he could accomplish. His trust was not in, let me look around and pick the best one, the prettiest one, the one who we think should come. No, it was, Lord, you pick and just lead me to her. His trust, the servants, was not in his ability, but totally in what the Lord was doing in this situation. And we see exactly what happens. It says in verse 15, before he had spoken, Finished speaking. Behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. She was attractive in appearance, a maiden who no man had known. She went down to the spring. She filled up her jar. She came up, and the servant ran to meet her, and he said, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink? And she says, absolutely. She lets down her water jar, gives him a drink of water, and then, church, she says, can I also draw water for your camels? 500 gallons of water, likely five gallons at a time. Think about that. A hundred trips to draw the water, to water the camels. And yet, the Lord had provided her to the servant so that he would know that this is who Isaac was to marry. I want you to notice that the servant says, you're the one. I've been on this journey. The Lord has provided. He begins to give her jewelry. He gives her gifts, and then he goes to her family. She's excited. The servant's excited. Her family's excited, and they realize in this moment the Lord is up to something. That's the conversation that goes on. 
And they offer to feed the servant and all those who were with him. And the servant says in verse 33, hang on just a second. Hang on. I got to tell you what just happened. I have to tell you what the Lord has done. This trust that Abraham had in the Lord to provide, this trust that the servant had for the Lord to provide, he details the story again in verses 34 through verse 49. He tells the story of the journey. He tells the story of coming to the well. He tells the story of his prayer to the Lord, asking the Lord to provide, and Rebecca coming on the scene and doing exactly what he had asked the Lord for in this situation. He shares all of this, to which in this moment, Rebecca is hearing the story of the Lord providing her as the answer to the prayer of the servant. And so the servant says, I'm ready to take her back to be the wife of Isaac. And the family is like, that sounds really good, but let's give her a little bit of time. She may want to change her mind. Let's give her 10 days to wait. And he said no in verse 56. Do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, let us call her and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? We've seen Abraham's faith, his trust in the Lord. We've seen the servant's faith, his trust in the Lord. But I want you to notice Rebecca's faith here. She had every reason in this moment and could have to said, I don't know. Or give me a little bit of time to make the decision. But notice her response in verse 58. She said, I will go. She was willing to walk in dependence on the Lord, trusting that this situation did not happen by accident, but by the hand and work of the Lord in it. She's willing to go. It says in verse 59, they sent her away. They gave her a blessing as she went. And then her young women arose and they followed the man. They head back towards where Isaac is. Notice in verse 63, Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. This is the hallmark portion of the chapter. I mean, just you hear the music in the background, right? He lifted up his eyes and he saw that there were camels coming. Rebecca lifted up her, I mean, come on, right? She lifted up her eyes And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And notice the servant's response, it is my master. She took her veil and she covered herself. And the servant in verse 66 told Isaac all the things that he had done. He relays the story. We saw the story at the beginning of the chapter. We see him tell the story again as he's talking with Rebecca's family. Now he tells the story again to Isaac of all that the Lord has done. I want you to notice Isaac's response in verse 67. It says, Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. 
You know, it's interesting that it doesn't say there, Isaac looked at Rebecca and said, no, nah, I don't think she's the one. Can we try again? Again, for Isaac in this situation, the Lord had provided, and he was willing to walk into this marriage by faith, trusting in the Lord. We see four pictures of faith here. The question for us this morning as followers of Jesus is, are we willing to walk by faith? Trust, total dependence on the Lord, not just for salvation, but in every single moment of our lives. Let's think about that just practically speaking. I'm talking about the big moments of our lives and the small moments of our lives. The big moments of our lives. Who do I marry? Where do I go to school? I mean, those are big, consequential decisions that we make. Are we willing to walk by faith, trust, dependence on the Lord as we walk through making those decisions? You say, well, pastor, you you should. I mean, that makes sense. But let me ask you this. What about the small decisions? What about the ones that we make every single day that we really don't think about? Like where we're going to go to eat lunch today. Not a big decision, right? But are we willing to walk by faith, trusting in the Lord as we walk through making that decision? You say, man, that may not make that big of a difference. No, the reality is it makes a huge difference because there may be a waiter or a waitress there who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you enter into that place as a servant of the Lord able to share the gospel with that person. It's not a small decision at all. The big decisions, the small decisions, what about the hard decisions? Like how do I navigate the loss of a loved one? or the cancer diagnosis that I just got, or the loss of a friend. Those are moments where we think, man, I need a lot of faith to walk by that. But what about the easy decisions? Like, how do I spend my bonus check? Are we willing to walk by faith with total dependence on the Lord. What about when the decision is pretty clear? Like students, should you cheat on your test tomorrow at school? Of course, the answer is no. Adults, should you cheat on your taxes this year? Of course, the answer is no, right? That's an easy decision, and yet we still have to walk by faith in that, trusting the Lord. But what about when the decision is unclear? Like, we just don't know. Like, should I take this job opportunity or not? See, the reality, what I want us to grasp is that in every single moment of our lives, we have the ability either to walk by our own strength and our own power thinking we've got this thing figured out, or as followers of Jesus, to walk in total, utter dependence on the Lord every single step. I hope this morning for us, This text reminds us that God is interested not in just the big decisions or the hard decisions or the clear decisions, but in every single moment of our lives. The Lord says to us, 
Walk by faith, trusting, depending totally on me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? So we have an opportunity to respond to the Lord and his word and to celebrate communion together today. Maybe you've come in this morning and when we talk about faith, the first step of faith for you is to trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. You've never taken that step. And I wanna encourage you this morning that that is the step that you need to take. That it is impossible for you to live the life that God has called you to live perfectly. And that your only hope to have a relationship with him is not through being good enough or trying harder, but it's through waving the white flag of surrender, of placing your total trust and dependence on what Jesus Christ has accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. If that's the step that you need to take this morning, we'd love to help you take that step. If you've got questions about that, we'd love to try to answer those questions this morning or later on in this week if you fill out a connection card. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you came in today and the Lord says to you, are you willing to walk by faith? Not just in the big decisions, but in the small ones. Not just in the hard decisions, but the easy ones. Not just in the moments when it's clear, but when it's totally unclear. Are you willing to walk by faith, trusting depending totally on him. Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts and our lives this morning, encourage us, challenge us, grow us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning? I want to give you an opportunity to respond and prepare your heart before we take communion together. Pastors are down front. You sing this chorus and prepare your heart before the Lord now.